Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hey there, CFD family. Welcome to another episode of Talking CFD, the show that's more about growing a business than growing a boundary layer. Now, I don't get the opportunity to talk to too many CFD consultants on this show. I'm not sure if we're a secretive bunch and they don't want to talk to me in case they give away all their secrets, or that pure CFD consultancies, as in the ones that don't also have a product to sell, are becoming harder and harder to find. But today is one of those good days, and I'm talking to Stuart Bible of Resolved Analytics, one of those aforementioned straight-up CFD consultancies. We dig into Stuart's story of building a CFD consultancy, selling it, and then building another one, and get into what changed in between times. And just as interesting, what remained the same, and probably always will. Plus, we get a sneak peek behind the scenes into what an acquisition looks like. Stuart also gives us his take on the value proposition of open source versus commercial codes from that consultancy perspective. But before all that, I started out by asking Stuart to give us an overview of what Resolved Analytics do. Uh, well, what we do is it's continually changing. It's evolving. So uh, we're, we're basically whatever our clients need us to be at the time, um, as long as it's related to engineering simulations. Um, a lot of the time we're providing simulation services to give our customers peace of mind that their designs are going to work right uh, or as predicted. Um, sometimes we're helping to generate new concepts or improving existing designs using, um, again, the simulation tools uh, combined with ways to use those tools to optimize designs. So are you guys tied to a particular industry? No, not at all. We jump around quite a bit. We're in marine, consumer products, power generation, industrial stuff, electronics. And how about code? Do you have a comfy spot with a particular code or are you kind of independent? Well, we've used a few uh, in my career. I've used a few. I've used Fluent. I've used Star CCM. I've used Open Foam. Currently, we're a Star CCM user. Just, just a user, not a, a seller or a... No, no. No affiliation as a reseller or anything like that. Just a happy user. Yes. So sometimes we also help help our customers along the path if they're developing their own internal programs, internal simulation or systems engineering. We help them along the path of choosing a software, getting verification and validation methods in place, getting quality controls in place, helping them choose what simulation techniques to use. So we're consultant in that regards too, but we're kind of more of a, a design consultant as much as we are just purely CFD consultant. Yeah, so I mean, I, I see that quite a bit myself. There's a lot of talk about making CFD tools easier to use and stuff like that, but at the end you've got a result. If you can't look at that result and know what to do with it, then you're going to need some help. Is that kind of where you guys come in? That's exactly right. That's sort of our whole mission is we saw a need for people to make CFD more practical so that it got to a wider audience, especially small and medium-sized businesses. And we thought with our experience that we could do that pretty efficiently and that would open up a market for us a market opportunity for us so uh, yeah we founded resolved analytics to do that so do you see customers coming to you who like have tried to get off the ground with cfd and, and struggled or are these companies that are just not particularly interested in having their own sort of in-house capability both um 
they're companies that don't bother with in-house capabilities for different reasons. Maybe it's an, an aging workforce that doesn't really have an interest in moving towards digital prototyping. In some cases, we have groups where you have four or five different project engineers or project managers that rotate out quite a bit, and it would be costly to get that whole team up and trained in how to use CFD simulation. Instead, they just contract with the external service provider. Um, and uh, more frequently, we're seeing technology startups who just, you know, they're, they're folks who are technical engineers, probably, who have great ideas, um, getting a company off the ground, and they just don't have the knowledge in simulation, and they need uh, an expert to get it done quicker. So they, they help, we help them get their own internal programs off the ground. And how long have you been doing that? Oh, we've been in business since 2014. I would say we didn't really start in earnest until 2015. But this isn't your first rodeo, is it? What were you doing before Resolved Analytics? When I started Resolved Analytics, I was a engineering manager, process engineering manager at a company called FuelTech. FuelTech is an air pollution control system provider in the power generation market. Um, I joined FuelTech as part of an acquisition in 2008. Uh, prior to that, I had been a partner and general manager at the at a flow at a flow uh, fluid dynamics modeling company called FlowTac, and that company was acquired, like I said, in 2008 by FuelTech, and I stayed on there for uh, from 2008 until 2014. Uh, myself and a partner at that time who had been colleagues with me since uh, the beginning of FlowTac days, uh, we kind of saw that CFD was getting to the point that more and more people should be using it, but more and more people really weren't using it. More, I, I think our mission was to allow small and medium-sized companies the same advantages that simulation provides larger companies like the ones that I was working with routinely in, in the air pollution control and the power generation markets. So you're still a fairly compact team, is that right? Uh, right now we're three people, myself and my partner, Caleb Treese, uh, and my wife, Laura Lee. She does our marketing and accounting. So a lean, compact unit, agile, all that sort of buzzwords and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess that in, in this day and age, a team of that size can really punch above its weight well it's it's really all about making personal connections uh devoted attention to a client's problems uh, making sure that the customer is happy at the end of the day and that they're going to come back to you next month or six months from now when they have another uh, design problem because you've done this a couple of times i'd really like to kind of pick your brains about starting running growing a cfd consultancy and then perhaps move on and, and circle back if you like to the the acquisition a little bit later on um what were the kind of big differences that you saw between starting your first company and resolved analytics uh, that's a good question they're really worlds apart uh the first time i was a fr uh, fresh out of graduate school um, I had done some CFD research as part of my grad school work, uh, had just barely touched the surface of what was Star CD at the time. Um, and Flotac had just been founded by a German expatriate uh, who was really known as kind of a thought leader in the air pollution control space. And 
in Germany, they had a number of groups that were performing experimental or physical scale modeling of these air pollution control systems. And uh, this gentleman who founded Flotac, he recognized that the U.S. was about to undergo the same air pollution control boom that uh, Germany had five, ten years earlier and that there'd be a need for that kind of fluid dynamics modeling. So he started it up, and uh, he had the forethought to think that CFD could be a part of the future. So he happened to be looking for a CFD guy at the same time I was looking for my first job, and I was their first employee. And then I went on to become partner and general manager. And I was really the technical person, and, and he was the rainmaker. Um, everything that we did was learning on the fly, trying to grow fast enough to satisfy this captive market of air pollution control companies. Um, the reason I say captive is because they were being forced by regulators to add this air pollution control equipment to existing power plants, scrubbers for socks, scrubbers for NOx, uh, electrostatic precipitators for particulate. All those pieces of equipment depend on fluid dynamics to perform well. And because they're being retrofit onto existing power plants, no two could be the same. And therefore, you'd have to have some level of fluid dynamics modeling at the conceptual design phase. So really, as fast as we could accept a contract, uh, you know, we would be moving on to the next one already. And what we did was kind of push for the adoption of CFD. That was an industry that was solely relying on experimental models up until about 2005, 2006, when we started to get some of the engineer, architect and engineers that are involved, we started to get them to believe in CFD. This time around, it's a completely different thing. Uh, I think resolved is a, the fruit of the learning that I've had over the 15 years or so of supporting uh, design of control air pollution control systems with CFD. And it's really all about trying to leverage or make use of that experience to uh, allow other companies the benefits of CFD, like I said. Back in the early days, I mean, it's always good to have a rainmaker in the team. Mm -hmm. Would you say you probably learned quite a bit about sales in these industries from, from him? Definitely learned the importance of personnel connections and making as many uh, contacts in an industry as, as needed. I didn't know how lucky we were to be in that industry where... If you were a modeling provider and you had a resume of one or two projects, you were pretty much guaranteed a spot on the bidding lists and a good shot at winning jobs. Um, you know, with Resolved Analytics, by that time, I had realized how special that position was. And that was with Resolved Analytics, it would be a much different occupation, um, much tougher sales cycle and uh, a much greater need to go out every day hungry uh, to meet new people uh, and strike up new conversations about potential business. So would you say that that's where it's at at the moment? It's still the case where it's a lot about who you know, as opposed to not necessarily what you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that outbound marketing probably accounts for 75% of our business. 
where we're just going out and finding the right people to make business with. I mean, the hot new stuff is all the social media marketing and uh, and various other tactics and, and what have you, but you kind of can't beat the actual going out there and getting face-to-face. I suppose it's going to happen eventually, isn't it? Yeah, there, there are a few people that will knock on your door and say, hey, we saw this, um, we've got a job, give us a quote. But um, much more often, it's talking to someone, telling them what you do, and they say, yeah, we have an interest in that. Let's develop the conversation further. And um, then we ask, well, what do you need? And uh, it goes from there. I imagine that's key, though, isn't it? The aspect, of, and it, I think some people perhaps overlook it, is being open and saying to the client, potential client, you know, what is it that you need? What do you do? What are you struggling with? Rather than, we've got this whiz-bang CFD, we're going to solve all your problems. That's exactly right, Robin. Do you kind of see a sort of feast or famine cycle or if you don't see that how have you have you got past that if you do see that what kind of things do you try and do to avoid it no it's it's definitely a challenge planning is the best thing that you can do as accurate and as long-term planning as you can Um, know who's going to do what work for the next month or two and if you see uh, that work is going to go past what you can do um, you're either going to need to Find somebody to offload that work to, hire another person, or turn down the work. Um, We try not to get to the point where we're not meeting our customers' expectations for when results will be delivered. We certainly don't want to cut corners that affect accuracy. We are kind of blessed in that because of my previous jobs, uh, I have a bullpen of four or five folks who I can turn to who are happy to act as independent contractors if we do have overflow work here ah again always nice to have do you think there's any kind of things that you could do pre-launch to kind of ensure that the a business venture such as a a new cfd consultancy that you're trying to get off the ground that there's some things you can do pre-launch that will help you make it a success yeah uh, lots of things (laughs) the majority of things that you want to do to make your company a success, you want to do pre-launch. Once you launch, then you're out there and you need to be doing work to pay the bills unless you've got deep pockets. So there's all this legwork that needs to be done. Uh, When anybody asks me, you know, isn't it great to be an entrepreneur? You know, can, what would you suggest? Could I look into this? I always say, Yeah, the first thing is to understand whether it's something that you really want to do. Owning and operating your own business is a very unique thing. Um, It takes a lot of effort. It probably doesn't suit all personality types. There are probably personality types who would be much happier being an employee than being a owner. And so I think that people need to get out there and ask What's what's it feel like to be an entrepreneur? How challenging is it? Um, do you think I'd be good at it? Uh, ask yourself about the financial security. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the number is something like 50% of startup companies don't survive more than two or three years. You know, if that happens to you, if your company does not fail, what's it mean to you and your family's financial security? Um, are you comfortable with that risk? 
do you have a good support group at home? You have to ask yourself all those questions. And once you have satisfactory answers for those, then you can move on to starting to plan. Um, what do you need to do to mentally prepare? Do you feel confident that you can go to someone and say, here I am, I'm offering this service or product and I think it's great. Uh, how can we help? Um, you know, mentally prepare. Also, you know, do business planning. Uh, do your market research. Know what problem you're trying to solve. Uh, make sure that you're you're not providing a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Contact potential customers. Do market surveys. Um, find out what customers willing to pay for whatever product or service you're offering and find out how long it's going to take to make your business profitable at that fee. Do you think there's a an argument for saying for somebody who's coming straight out of grad school or off the back of a PhD or something like that, that they need to go out and get some kind of domain expertise first before they go out on their own or can they just suck it and see? There's an argument to be made there. I mean, part of it, is your natural inclination. If you have the work ethic and the smarts that give you an advantage, go for it. Um, but there's a lot to be said for having credibility these days. It's easier than ever to start up a company. Um, the Technology that we have today makes running a company easy. Accounting software, email software, all these things that weren't around when I was managing Flowtac back in the day make life a lot easier. But back in those days, all it took to get our first CFD jobs uh, was our our personal statement that, yeah, we can do CFD um, and a, a relatively good idea of the business aspects of providing that. And we had our foot in the door today. Uh, so many more companies have access to CFD. So you're competing with internal resources and companies are a little bit more wary. They know how easy it is to start up a company. So there's this credibility uh, hurdle that I see a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people that try to be independent contractors, they end up kind of going back a year or two later and working for, other companies. So I think that um, what what your point, your point is that is good, that a little bit of credibility, definitely a long list of contacts who know you and can uh, perhaps introduce you to the right people to make your first business. Those are things that only experience can get and you're not going to have coming right out of PhD. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole thing about running a business, being able to kind of a adapt and, and, and roll with it. What's that Mike Tyson quote? Everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the face. And uh, you, pr you probably will get a few punches in the face. Mm -hmm. Maybe not literally, hopefully not literally. Depends, <laughs> who, depends who you work for, I guess. Um, so circling back a little bit, back to uh, to the acquisition, it's kind of a, an active topic at the moment. I mean, certainly last year there was, uh, there was plenty of uh, M&A activity uh, in the CFD space. And as somebody who's been through it, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts uh, on on acquisition, really. I mean, firstly, kind of from your perspective, um, how did it come about? How did you end up selling your first company? Sure. Uh, we had worked with FuelTech on multiple projects where they were providing 
the technology, um, NOx reduction technology to power plants. And we were performing some CFD modeling for them and experimental modeling. Um, developed a rapport. Some of our uh, friends and colleagues had worked for FuelTech, so there was sort of a special relationship going on there. And they realized that we had uh, significant IP in a technology called selective catalytic reduction that they hoped would expand their market um, and increase their market share in air pollution control. Then they also recognized that our CFD work was kind of cutting edge compared to what they were doing internally. So uh, we thought it was a good fit and they weren't extremely big. I mean, at the time, I think they were something like 120 people. So it was a, a fairly large acquisition for them to be bringing on 10 new people. From start to finish, I think it took three months, and that was mainly because they were a publicly traded company. So there was a lot of due diligence, a lot of back-checking, auditing of you know, our accounting. Uh, and for a company like Flotech, who had flown by the seat of its pants, kind of, <laughs> um, <laughs> some of that stuff was a little bit like, Oh, is this going to kill the deal? No, but uh, it all worked out. Uh, in the end, though, acquisitions are extremely challenging. I read something like 75% of acquisitions end up in either the acquirer or the startup uh, being less than satisfied with uh, the end result. Um, I think that happened to us. I think on both sides, I think. Um, we were we ended up in sort of a, a vacuum of leadership weren't allowed to service some of our previous customers in CFD modeling and consulting because they were now competitors and i think on fuel tech side i think they just didn't ever get the leverage that allowed them to increase their market share in NOx reduction equipment because of the acquisition, partly because they acquired the company right about the time that the air pollution control industry took a turn for the worse because uh, the Clean Air Act here in the United States, or excuse me, the CARE Act here in the United States was going through the courts and has been delayed, uh, is now out the window. And, and you also uh, just had most of the power plants reaching their emissions limits and uh, a lot of coal units started retiring. So, uh, yeah, it was a kind of a, a funnel of all these negative aspects that came through to make it less than ideal acquisition. But I think that's kind of par for the course in startups being acquired. There's a, an argument, I don't know if you'd ever get to the bottom of it, that consultancies are particularly difficult to value and sell because it's kind of all about the people typically. But you mentioned their IP, both in terms of, it sounded like hardware IP, but also in terms of, of your, your techniques, your, your cutting edge um, CFD mm -hmm. at, at the time. Is that something that you kind of invested in with a view to making it more saleable? Not at all. It, it seemed like a natural evolution of our company. It was... Just we saw things that could be improved as we did our work for others who were designing equipment. And we said, well, why don't you, if you do this and this differently, you'll have a much better performing system. And uh, 
naturally we just went out and got patents on that stuff. And, um, in the end they, they were the reason, but we did not, that was not our vision for going out to get that IP. But I would say if you can develop it as a natural part of consulting, it's hugely valuable. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You see a lot of consultancies transitioning towards product companies as they try to sort of wrap up some of their IP into products that they can sell and then straddling the consultancy product company gap and, yeah. and maybe for a time not doing either of them particularly well. Was that? Did you ever see yourselves going down the product route? As in Resolved Analytics? Either with Resolved or with previous company. No, no. A previous company, we were completely happy continuing along the air pollution control modeling. Uh, we recognize that uh, it might not be the best long-term route that we needed to start expanding into mar other markets. Um, but about the time we were thinking along those lines, FuelTech came along and said, yeah, you know, we can make you an offer for this company. So that was that. And uh, uh, Resolved Analytics, not at all. Uh, it's it's our business. Our mission is really to increase people's access to CFD and other simulation techniques. And I think that as long as we want to do that, there's going to be a market for it. It's just every day there are new companies coming along, new adopters that uh, – need that service that can benefit from that service so that's really all we're about um if we come up with something along the way for sure we'll monetize it but not at all our intention as a byproduct of what you do as opposed to a, a, an end goal yeah just to sort of close it up a little bit before we uh, get too close to time i just wonder what's your perspective on the kind of the m&a activity that's been in the cfd market in general do you think it's or will be beneficial for for users with your cfd users hat on i have no idea if it's good or bad for users in the long run i see the large companies coming under pressure pressure from more widely available and easier to use lower cost stuff. And so consolidation is their response to that. Hey, let's, let's take all the high end tools and consolidate them in these two or three companies. And therefore we can keep the low cost pressure off, but that goes way above my pay grade. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I don't deal in software very much. I don't, uh, you know, our forte is not developing code or uh, stuff like that. And and typically, if a tool allows me to design better products and allows me to do it efficiently, I'll pay for it. I'll pay as much as I need to pay for it. Do you think that's where perhaps some people overestimate the impact of some of the open source codes? You know, that, that exact outlook where if it's giving you value, you're more than happy to pay for it. Oh, at this point entirely. I... I I appreciate the ethos that um, things should be open source, um, but I also believe that commercial interests are what push these software companies to make really strong products and that you don't have the same commercial push with open source. So as a user of OpenFoam, um, I know firsthand the inefficiencies of doing things that way. Now, if there's a company that, for whatever reason, has huge computing needs and commercial software would just be too expensive and they'd rather spend the extra time 
Now, that's totally understandable. It's justifiable. But uh, for most, and especially consultants who live on turnover, uh, reliability, accuracy, not having to do a Google search to figure out uh, the latest issue with open foam or how to how to do Lagrangian droplets or whatever it is. Um, you know, those are the things I pay for and that make our business profitable. <laughs> I'm laughing here. I hear you with the Google searching for the, uh, for the error codes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, horses for courses. Yeah. I mean, it suits some people and, and, and situations and not others, but yeah, I get, I definitely, uh, hear that there's, um, well, if there wasn't value, nobody'd be paying for commercial code with the, right. And those guys are doing pretty good. Yeah. They're look, looking good where I'm at. Um, if somebody's been listening to this and they want to find out a bit more about resolved analytics, where's the best place for them to go? You can find our website. It's what you'd think it would be. Um, please contact me on LinkedIn as well. I do a lot of networking on there, answering questions on the on the CFD forums. I'm, I'm also happy to answer questions directly. So just connect with me and then we can email. I find that quite a bit. You know, the kind of people who are happy to come on the podcast and talk about their business are also happy to talk about CFD stuff, either uh, in, in, in an appropriate forum, LinkedIn, email, whatever. Um, you guys are good guys. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks for your time, Stuart. I really appreciate you coming on. On, uh, on this topic, I think that uh, I want to make one last piece of advice to anybody considering it. Do it. Uh, that's... Think of your customers before yourself. Um, what you'll find is the more focus you give out on other people and the less you focus on you, the more successful um, a company is going to be. It's easier to fish where the fish are. And the first step is to know the fish and know where they're swimming. So for more on that, see uh, any of the books by uh David Fields. He's excellent in the professional services marketing. I'm off to Amazon right now. Other book suppliers are available. Um, yeah, I'll put the links in the show notes to uh, to all those sort of things. Um, again, thanks for your time, Stuart. Yeah, thank you, Robin. It was a pleasure.